All right, uh, welcome to the old school. Uh, Jane Cooper, Dave Kohler with you tonight. Uh, others uh, might join us. You never know, there's surprises on old school these days. Um, so, uh, sponsored by shoptyt.com, get your anti anti vaxxers club shirt there. Also, sponsored by Too Strong Coffee. Uh, what do we got here? We got a two pound bag. Uh, too strong, two pound. Uh, this is Justice Jolt. Uh, that's your espresso blend. If you're not having uprising in the morning, are you really waking up? Um, so check out twostrongcoffee.com slash tyt. Okay, Dave Kohler, um, are you looking forward to Thanksgiving? Uh, and give me on a scale of one to ten how much you're looking forward to it. Go. Well, I am looking forward to it, but it's my Thanksgivings recently have not been. That great, like traditionally, uh, homecomings or get-togethers. So my, I'm looking forward to it, but not a lot. So I guess that puts me at just above five, which would be six. Okay, uh, interesting. So uh, historically, you have gone home 97% of the time, 82% of the time. Home is in New Jersey, where we grew up. Yeah, 80% of the time. Okay. And so and then I would look forward to it at a 10 for sure. Then it would be a 10. Okay. And so uh, then obviously you're not going back home uh, this year. No, no. No, you're staying in LA. Okay. Uh, and is that because of COVID and the concerns around that? You know, I'm not really sure. I think it's just family stuff. I'm going to New Jersey uh, two weeks after. That's probably the main reason. Uh, I see. Is there a wedding or something? Or no, no. Just okay. Interesting. Uh, let's dive in a little bit more. Uh, why do you? What is it about going home uh, that puts it at a ten out of ten for you? Well, it's going home when, as we we used to do it, as you well know, and seeing not just your family, but you're hanging out with your friends, and not just seeing your friends, but we would do stuff, poker, football, and other things. It's all fun and. Uh, you know, life is a growing experience wherever you are, whether it's college or wherever you're living. But then when you get home, it's like a reset and you take stock and say, oh, okay, where I have grown and now I can compare because this is the place where I was born and it's great and I love it. And uh, when this Thanksgiving's weekends go is over, I'll go back to wherever I'm living at the moment and continue to grow and but I'll always have those roots. It, it feels good, and, and and to reconnect every once in a while. So, um, what was more? What was the best? Uh, now, this is kind of sometimes a controversial question, but uh, like period of your life was it when we were kids and we were playing kickball and Ringolario on your uh, street? Uh, was it in college when you were going nuts and drinking <laughs> and doing? Keg hand handstands or whatever folks do. Was it in your professional career when Young Turks made it? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. What, what do you think? It's a really complicated psychological question because, but I think the answer was probably in my twenties, in the nineties. Uh, I was living in New York City most of the time. But that's close to home, back and forth a lot. A lot of, I knew uh, so many people to hang out with on any given night, all different kinds of friends. 
family, old friends, new friends. And also, uh, you know, the way nostalgia works, you, like my, I had a very happy childhood, but I think a lot of that happy childhood was created later as memories of a happy childhood or enhanced later uh, uh, as memories of a happy childhood. As I was living in the same places as uh, where I was living as a child, but much older and able to appreciate it. So it all kind of just fuses together. But I like to try to answer your difficult questions. And I'm going to say it was my you know, late 20s okay. on the East Coast. Do you feel comfortable talking about Shep Smith and your relationship yes. with him? Yeah, plus there wasn't much of one. I don't know if you, yeah, I feel comfortable. <laughs> okay. Uh, you might be so, thinking of Rick Leventhal though, but I don't know. No, no, I know, I, but people don't know Rick as much. Do you have, so uh, Rick Leventhal was a roommate of yours in New York. So this could actually start conspiracy theories, which is fun. Uh, and Rick is a longtime correspondent for Fox News. Uh, so Shep's gonna come into the story in a second, but, um, do you know if Rick still works at Fox News? I'm pretty sure he does. I've even seen him now and then. It's a, his longevity is amazing, and he's the most non-controversial person. You never or rarely see him in the news. He, he started to make the news a few months ago or a year ago for personal reasons, for getting married and stuff like that. Huh? Yeah, but, I can't believe he's still there, and nobody he like these days. Like, who cares if you're on TV if you don't make it onto the internet? Did you really exist, right? And Rick never makes it onto the internet. And maybe because he is non-controversial, he's not, as far as I know, he wasn't conservative. Do you, you think he was conservative? No, he, we didn't talk about politics a lot, but that's part, he never brought politics into anything. <laughs> he was just a good guy on TV. He actually took his job kind of seriously. He covered a lot of gas price stories and UN stories and things in New Jersey. Uh, it, yeah, he was not, he did not appear to be part of some agenda. Yeah, well, that's how agendas work. Uh, <laughs> they, they don't really usually write it down in a memo. Uh, but uh, but it, it is, there is a like that, that was a funny moment in history where, uh, it, you know, one of the founders of TYT is living with uh, one of the original reporters of Fox News. Uh, you know, that's the Martin Luther King meeting Malcolm X kind of thing, I think. Not really. <laughs> Not at all, but still. All right, uh, I've got more on that, but Alonzo Bowden's joining us. Uh, I think he's ready. Alonzo, how you doing, brother? All right, Jank, how are you? All right, excellent, excellent. Um, <laughs> so Alonzo, I, I wanna bring you into this conversation as much as I can, and then I got a bunch of questions for you. But but before we get to the Shep Smith part of Dave's story and, and how we knew Shep back in the day, I say we very loosely. Um, uh, Alonzo, um, when I'm did sorry, you know? I'm trying to get trying to get centered on this iPad, the the camera's opposite of where I'm moving. Okay, so it's I okay. It. You just stay still, <laughs> and the and the te technical director will move around. Okay, right. so Alonzo, when did you first realize Fox News was full of crap? Do you remember? Ah, uh, wow. I've never been a watcher of Fox News. Um, I'll tell you when I personally was done with Fox. That now I never watched it 
but they invited me to be on some show. It was supposed to be like a panel show. And I went on and like, you know, it's supposed to be comics doing this panel. And by the second question, I could see, oh, this is a right wing setup. Like whatever you say, they're going to twist it to make it sound right wing. So I just, uh, that's when I said, yeah, we're done. And then they did ask me through my publicist. I won't say ask, I'll say they suggested that a black right wing comedian could make a lot of money. Ooh, that's super interesting. Now all of a sudden we got something <laughs> juicy. Okay, so do you remember if that show was Red Eye or was it a different show? That's what it was. Now that you mention it, yes, that's what it was. It was early on with Red Eye. Yeah, so the main host of that was Greg Gutfeld and and they thought he was funny. I've never seen it, but uh, I mean, I've never seen Greg uh, be funny. Uh, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so look, conservatives are almost never funny because they always kick down. So they're like, oh, you remember, <laughs> look at the poor guy. <laughs> like, no, that's not funny. That's weird, <laughs> right? And so, um, but they tried for a long time and, and every joke that they laughed at was like racial or something along those lines, etc. So you sniffed that out instantly. But they let it be known to you. Like, again, this is not like, let, let's just, yeah, let's dive into it a tiny bit more because I don't want to prejudge in either direction. Because it could be like, wink, wink, nod, nod. Like, if you were to turn right wing, then that would be very lucrative for you. Or it could just be like, hey, there's a market for, you know, a right wing black comedian. I guess that would do well. Which of those two do you think it was closer to? Uh, it was closer to the second one. It wasn't that direct, but it was it was how they found what were their names, Diamond and Pearl, whatever those two black women were on on Fox. Like that's how that's what it was. It was, you know, we're looking for that. And then the other thing, this is why Fox News needed a black comedian. So they had someone who's allowed to make fun of black people. Right, I mean that's what. <laughs> of course, that's what they need, right? But to someone to say the things that they're not allowed to say or shouldn't say in mixed company, shall we put it? So, yeah, it was, but you couldn't do it. I mean, this was one of those things. This is how you get a Candace Owen or whatever. That right? There's always going to be that market, there's always going to be room for that if you're willing to be that. See, that fits in perfectly to what Dave and I were talking about. Because so he used to be roommates with Rick Leventhal, reporter for Fox News. From all that we could ever tell of Rick, he seemed like a perfectly good guy, right? And so in his case, they have him doing as close to straight up reporting as Fox News gets. So it never gets to a point where He's got to make some sort of decision, right? But uh, I bet you there were plenty of moments in his career. Now I'm speculating, but where they let it be known, well, if you were really conservative, then maybe you can get a show on here, right? And so, in different ways, they let you know. Now, if you were, if you were to play ball, you know, then then this could happen instead of that, right? 
And and of course, Roger Ailes back in the day used to say that to women in the most despicable ways, right? And that, was a, <laughs> that was a different type of playing ball, and uh, and that was real, man. Guys, you know, look now I'm going to diverge again uh, before we get to the chef part, which is anyway. I, I don't. I guess I'm naive. Like when I found out about the Roger Ailes uh, revelations and the sexual harassment, I was genuinely shocked. Like. Back in the when he was on do a producer for one of the talk shows like in the seventies and stuff, and he would unzip his pants and chase women around the room like literally like not like in a fun hijinks way, not that that even exists in a context like that, but like in a stalker horrific way, right? And that I'm not naive enough to not know that that existed, but just hearing about the actual details, you're like Jesus. Christ, right? Um, but he did it all the way up to the president, Fox News, where he would tell like legitimate big time reporters, hey, you could be a host if you play ball like sexually. I don't know, man. I'm stunned by that. Like, I don't know. Were you guys stunned by that? Or did you assume, oh, yeah, these, these pricks at Fox News or wherever else are doing this all the time? Well, this isn't one I would, excuse me, this isn't one I would put on Fox News. This is one I would put on studio executives because Jank, it worked for how long? I mean, you know, this was how they did business. They did this all the time. So why would they suddenly think I can't do it or it's not, you know, it, it's, it worked often enough for them to do it. And they would pay off. You have unlimited network money to make the payoffs, right? We saw what O'Reilly was what twelve million dollars. That wasn't his money. That was the network's money to keep him on the network. So no, none of these stories would surprise me. I think it might have been way more than that. I'll Google it in a minute, or one of our viewers can write it in. But they paid a gargantuan amount of money for. The Bill O'Reilly sexual harassment suits, let alone the Roger Ailes ones. All right, but but back to Shep. So, uh, Dave, then you guys were playing poker. I actually was never in the poker game with Shep, so I, I that's why I said very loosely we. Um, but I, you know, I used to play with you guys, but I was never on the days that that, that Shep was there, um, and I don't think I played that often with you guys in that particular apartment. Uh, but. Um, did Shep seem, did you seem to get any political vibes from Shep at all or nothing? All right, the, the audience is now getting into our, our personal lives here, but that's the show. But the Shep legend is growing way out of proportion. I believe we only played poker with him once. It was ah. a legendary night. He was, he was wild, he was crazy, he was fun, talkative, a little drunk, he said fun poker. And we all loved it and had a good time, but I think that was the only time. And I only saw Shep one other time. I went on a for Rick Leventhal's birthday. We took a bus to Atlantic City, for, and Shep was on that bus. That's it. That's my two interactions with uh, this TV star. Oh, that's funny. See, I didn't even know that because I think at that point I'd moved and I wasn't even in New York, so I would hear legends of you guys partying with Chef Smith nonstop. <laughs> we partied with him once, and it was legendary. And you heard about it nonstop, but it was just once. <laughs> okay, so 
Look, for a long time, Shep was used as, hey, here's a guy who's not insane and he's on Fox News and he kind of generally does the news fairly correctly, right? And then after a while, Shep couldn't stand the deal, right? And he's and he bailed out. He was like, I, I can't take this anymore. We're being basically we're being asked to lie too often. I'm putting words in his mouth, but that was that was definitely the essence of it. And so I don't know. I thought Alonzo's story was really telling. And uh, and they kind of groom you, and they see uh, who has low moral fiber, and whoever is willing to uh, do what they want you to do, and which is nine out of ten times sell out your own group. They're like, great, Dave Rubin, you get to come on all the time now, uh, and so you'll build a brand around that, and you'll make a lot of money, um, etc. And that's how it works, and it's pretty disgusting. So I pulled it up for a second, Alonzo, and at least one of the cases was settled for $32 million on the Bill O'Reilly one. Right. Well, again, I don't think that was his money. You know, they um pretty sure that was network money. And you know what you're saying? It's I think for some of them, they just consider it, hey, I'm playing a character, right? I mean, like that was the thing with um you know, what was it? Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on Steve's last name. Uh, late night host who did the from Comedy Central, who did the caricature of Colbert, the right Stephen Colbert. Colbert, Stephen Colbert. Sorry, I blanked on the name. You know, the thing about Stephen Colbert was his parody was real, right? I mean, there was nothing, nothing he could make up that was unbelievable, where you wouldn't say, well, you know, someone on Fox might say that, right? I mean, that that's the hardest part of his job. And, and that's true of a lot of the news now. I'm telling you, as a comedian, we can't make up stuff that is real. But it's funnier than what's real with, with between our crazy congressmen and whatever else. And it's like you said, Jenk, you gotta get on the internet, right? You gotta you gotta say something crazy enough to get that that moment on the internet. And if you're lucky and it's really insane, you might go viral. And they and they don't care, they don't attach. I don't think they attach any morality to it or any, this is what I believe. I think it's, it's characters that, you know, the person telling the news is not supposed to be the news, right? But we see them more and more as the person telling the news becomes the news. Yeah, uh, and there is tremendous pressure to go viral because if you go viral, you get rich, right? For especially if you're on the right wing, not on the left wing so much. But uh, <laughs> and um, and so well, that creates an incentive to go further and further, um, you know, nuts because that's because everybody's already nuts. And if you, if you so in order to get attention, you got to go more nuts, and that's well, what it. What did Tucker Carlson's lawyer say? His his actual lawyer said a reasonable person would not believe him. I mean, think about that. Yeah, they <laughs> literally the said defense. that in court. Yeah, that's your defense in court that a reasonable person wouldn't believe you, and yet you're a news host. So, <laughs> yeah. And and by the way, uh, so Alex Jones' lawyer said the same thing. He lost at all eight cases today. So that's a great day in America. Uh, and 
and he said uh, he didn't comply with the court's orders, and he, he was you know outraged today. No, the law is not optional. So, and but for the right wing, they treat it as optional. Like, oh well, mm-hmm. it's just a judge. I thought I could just ignore the judge. And in a lot of ways, they have throughout their lives, right? But but now sometimes they get a tiny bit of accountability. They catch feelings. Well, what he's about to catch is hopefully a giant settlement, uh, not a settlement, but a giant um, verdict uh, against them. So yeah. we're, we're going to get to that part uh, soon in, the, in those proceedings. So we'll see how that plays out. On a scale of one to ten, how much do you look forward to Thanksgiving? Uh, I would say now, like a two or a three. I mean, my parents have passed away. You know, I got a brother and sister back east. We talk, but it's not, there isn't a big family feast. I have friends I do Thanksgiving with. And my favorite thing on Thanksgiving is the charity food and show at the Laugh Factory. But um, yeah, it's not, it's, you know, I get it and, it and it's beautiful and all that, but it's not a huge personal holiday for me. Uh, was it ever, uh, was there ever a moment when it was a 10 for you? Uh, there was times when I'd give it an eight. I don't know if it was ever a ten, but yeah, I'd say it was an eight. It, it's um, it was fun to get together at times. I had an aunt in San Francisco who was an unbelievable cook, and um, I would go up there if I didn't want to go back east. And and the food was fantastic. And she had a host of friends that was incredible um, artists, musicians. And you know, just like an open house, great food. Those those were fun. And um, yeah, and and like I say, I mean, the the Laugh Factory thing, the the comics getting together, we have a blast doing that. So that that was a big, that's a big thing. That's so the combination of that, you know, different friends. Yeah, there there have been years. I don't know that I look forward to it being that this is going to be a ten, but there have been days that have turned out that way. Yeah, um, so it's interesting you say that because our my best Thanksgivings were uh, we do it back in uh, in New Jersey, right, where my parents used to live. They just moved finally to LA, and that's where I grew up. And uh, and on Thursday mornings uh, we would go and play football with all the guys. And for mm-hmm. a long time we played tackle until enough noses had been broken <laughs> through the years <laughs> that we switched to. To two hand touch eventually, uh, and but it was great. I mean, it'd be cold, it'd be muddy, and we'd come home like we'd have to bring plastic bags to sit on in the car ride back because you everything was going to be filled with mud, right? And uh, and then you'd be tired, but like really happy, and then you sit down for a great meal with your family. But the funniest and the most interesting part was my parents, being the wonderful, generous people that they are, would always try to invite more people to the house. Like if there was students in from Turkey who didn't have anywhere to go, right? They'd they'd invite them in. Sounds kind of like your aunt a little bit, right? And so, and if sometimes my cousins would be in town and we'd invite them in, and and then the hilarious conversations that would happen, right? Like my my cousin was a big hippie back then. This is my direct cousin. Where being Turkish, you have thousands of. Like indirect cousins, right? <laughs> but uh, but my actual cousin was was in town, and he was kind of a hippie guy and very against corporations. And then when my dad pointed out that he works for one at National Geographic, 
he went and uh, did meditation in the front yard uh, in the freezing weather in New Jersey. <laughs> We're like, come on, you gotta come back in the house. It's okay, man, it's okay. Everybody works for corporations, it's okay. Um, but now, by the way, that guy has turned into a Muslim fundamentalist. And I'm like, no, go back to being a hippie. Hippie was way better, <laughs> way better. And so he's like a big Erdogan fan now. I'm like, oh Jesus, man, what am I gonna do? Um, so in the U.S. or in Turkey? He's in Turkey, yeah. And so he's in like there aren't that many Erdogan fans fans in the U.S. In the U.S., Turks are more secular and modern and open-minded, so they're a lot less likely to to go down the right wing, more fundamentalist path. Right, but in Turkey, obviously, he's got tons of fans. What do you and think of Erdogan whining because he wasn't allowed to bring his biggest security contingent to Glasgow as Joe Biden was? You know, guys, that's the thing, right? You know, we all got 88 problems in our lives, right? But sometimes I see people in power and I think, man, they're really messed up. <laughs> I got way happier than them. Like, the very last thing in my mind would be like counting security details. Oh, God damn it, Biden's got 13, I only have 11. <laughs> if that's your biggest problem, you're good, you're good. Egos, it, it's, it's all egos, right? It's like in Hollywood, you know, how close is your parking spot to the door? Absolutely makes a difference. It shows where you are in the pecking order and, and you'd be surprised people fight over that. <laughs> so. No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> TYT, yeah. Yeah, well, at TYT, there's the issue of people showing up a couple of minutes before showtime, and they really got to get in the door, right? Um, but I remember the first time I had a TV writing job, and they put my name in the parking lot. It was just printed out on a piece, simple white piece of paper, right? But I'm not fancy, and I'd never had a Hollywood job before. So when I saw my name, I was like, whoa, I took a picture of it and stuff. And back then, <laughs> it was like old school cameras. I was like, click. <laughs> I showed that stuff to my parents. And I was probably the furthest out in the park. <laughs> so yeah, I can see that. But I just did a live video right before this, guys, about Kamala Harris. And there's this giant article on CNN. And how she's throwing Biden under the bus because Biden's not protecting her image enough. And now, like, and then she's worried that Buttigieg, Buttigieg is being more protected and she's being less protected. And I was like, why don't you guys just do something? Like, do something and then you don't have to worry about your stupid image and your security detail and the <laughs> pictures that you took and if the right pictures, the wrong pictures. God. Damn, they're so obsessed with their ego. I kind of almost feel bad for them, like sorry for them. You know what I'm saying? Well, sure, but is, does that article reflect poorly on Kamala or on the reporters? Every time they write the, the obligatory article about the vice president, the vice president has no function. It doesn't matter. Why do they write that article? Dave, trust me that it reflects poorly on all of them. Kamala, Biden, Buttigieg, every reporter who wrote that silly article filled with stupid gossip that no one cares about except in Washington, they're obsessed. That was probably the scoop of the century for them. Alonzo, you were gonna say something. Yeah, I was gonna say a long 
time ago when I was doing USO tours and they had to deal with the government and get them financed and things like that. Uh, the rep from the USO said, listen, politicians are just ugly movie stars. And, you know, as long as you keep that in mind, all of this stuff starts to fall into place. The, the reason I was laughing when you were telling the story is, yeah, once again, just leave the Democrats alone. They'll destroy themselves. You know, <laughs> just like you said, if you were to do something, if you were to make something happen, you wouldn't have to have this article of, you know, who are they looking at more or who's getting good press or whatever. Like, how about everybody get together, make something happen and everyone gets good press. But like you said, this this little petty infighting and, and who knows how much of it is real, right? Or how much of it is suppressed, like slow news day, let's generate some trouble, right? They, like the um, a friend of mine used to call it the promoter. The kid at school who said, hey, you got to fight so-and-so at three o'clock and you didn't even know you had that fight, but now it's all over the school and you don't even know why you have a fight, <laughs> but they just need something to talk about. Uh, how much of this is that and how much of it is real, who knows? Yeah, no, no, uh, I, by the way, I love, that's just why I like the casual conversation we have about old school. Yeah, we had a promoter in, in high school, uh, in, in junior <laughs> high too. And I remember in uh, I, I was gonna fight Buford uh, in the back of the school uh, by the softball field, and I forgot. And I was talking to my math teacher after school, and the promoter like knocks on the door, and the teacher's like annoyed. And I'm like, what are you? And he's like, I'm like, oh, the fight! Oh, the promoter's here. The fight. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, Miss Miss Merlin, I gotta go. Okay, I, I something came up. <laughs> And then and, and I had to go fight. And it was a good fight, so the promoter was really happy. Kids have a hilarious bloodlust. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it depends on your definition of hilarious, I guess. But uh, when I was losing in that fight in the beginning, Buford caught me in the ear and I was reeling, right? They're like, kill him! They're telling <laughs> Buford, kill him, right? And then later I got the upper hand. And they start chanting Rocky, Rocky, like they were always on my side. I was like, guys, I was right here. I heard you chanting Killer <laughs> earlier. Like, who are we kidding? Ah, <laughs> oh, people, man, they are fickle. Um, yeah, and they look for something to talk about. I mean, that that's what it what it's about, right? They have to have something to talk about, even if there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, and. You know, the funny thing is, I think for most people, when they hear the Rocky chant, I think they totally forget about the kill him from earlier. I think they get caught <laughs> up in it and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, these guys are always on my side. Optics good, everything's good, optics. <laughs> so, Alonzo, to your point, 88% of Americans want the provision in, in one of the bills that to lower drug prices. Mm-hmm. If you did that, then nine out of 10 Americans would like you. They'd like you a lot, right? You lower their drug prices, you're gonna get reelected. And they can't do that. And they're worried about photo ops. <laughs> Just And that's one of the issues that how long have they been talking about this? This, you know, the drug is super cheap in Canada or Mexico or wherever. The, the drug price issue won't go away and nobody it, it's funny. It's it's like gas prices right now. Like I'm I'm looking for someone. 
I still haven't had anyone tell me why gas went up a dollar fifty in the past what six months or whatever. Like what what happened? I, I don't even know. Yeah. So here's what happened. Uh, OPEC decided to cut the supply, uh, and so Saudi Arabia was mad at Biden for something or other, right? And probably they wanted to pay Trump back since you know they Trump let him dismember a, a you know a journalist who was working for the Washington Post. And let him get away with it. So, and the Saudis are generally more friendly to the Republicans because, you know, right wing's gonna right wing. I mean, you gotta remember the Saudi government in their country is massively right wing, right? Yeah. And so, for a combination of reasons, some of which are political, some of which is they wanna make more money and this, they thought it was a good opportunity. They, once you cut the supply, that the prices go up. That's, oh, yeah, I know that. The overwhelming. Okay. Reason why gas prices are up, having nothing to do with anything else related to inflation or any bills that were passed. And so, anything you see in the news about that is just people that have no idea what they're talking about. Well, thank you, because you just gave me the first real explanation. Because, yeah, because I, you know, those stickers, I did this, you know, the little Biden stickers they put on the gas pumps. And I'm like, what did he do? I, I don't even know what he did. So now you've explained that. that Unfortunately, that explanation makes a lot of sense, so thank you. Right, the one thing that I would blame Biden for is that he's really weak, he's super weak, right? So if Mm -hmm. the Saudis cut the oil supply in a way that's hurting my voters, let alone my own political career, there'd be goddamn consequences, right? Like. Okay, oh, he has, like, I see on Twitter all day, every day, establishment. They're probably honestly paid bots or trolls or whatever they are. They're, but they, they're not a lot, they don't sound like real people at all. And and I, having been attacked by a thousand trolls and bots in my life, i pretty decent at spotting it. So there'll be all of a sudden new centrists in my Twitter feed who are like, mm-hmm. but Jank, Biden is doing the best he can. You know, you really should be fair to him. He has gotten many things done. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. It's and it's the same talking points, you know. And that's how you could tell it's a troll or a bot. Hey, Bob thinks that, and so does Susie. Susie also thinks I should be fair to Biden because he has gotten so many things done. Do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Like, okay, guys, all right. Um, so, but you know. Biden, so those guys will all say, "Oh, Jank, there is nothing that Biden can do about Mansion or Cinema." Sure, there is, right? And is there something he could do about the Saudis? Of course, there is, right? So, okay, how do you do it? Saudi Arabia, okay, you're gonna mess with us and increase oil prices. And you know what? I'm reconsidering letting you guys off the hook for the dismembering. Okay, so. Uh, maybe we freeze your assets over here uh, because you murdered a, a Washington Post columnist. I'm just floating it out there. Maybe we freeze them. Maybe we. Oh, you know what? We did freeze them. We could, of course, unfreeze them. But hey, it's your call, right? Oh, but that would create other things. Yeah, I know. And then you react to those other things if you're strong and you're smart. If you're weak, you go, oh, no, it's not Okay, or oh, Mansion is in. I'm like, get out of here, man. You say, hey, look, Mansion. Nina Turner said this uh, the other day on the show, and I love this so much. I keep repeating it. She's so she had a mentor who is the former mayor of Cleveland. Okay, and uh, and Michael R. White, 
and they're gonna move the Browns out of Cleveland at the time. He pulls the owner of the Browns in and he says, look, you're gonna leave the name with the city, okay? Otherwise, there's gonna be trouble, okay? I know I can't stop you from moving, but you're not gonna be the Browns when you move to a different city. And so here's how it's gonna go. There's gonna be blood on the floor, a little bit of mine and a little bit of yours, but more of yours than mine. So if you wanna dance, let's dance, okay? And they left the name, and then the Browns mm-hmm. got it back, okay? That's how you play hardball, that's politics, that's strength. Everything else is total BS. Oh, I yeah. couldn't, I well, should, couldn't. Yeah, Biden seems like he doesn't want to make anyone mad, and you gotta be willing to make somebody mad. Yeah, the only people that they get mad at is people like me. Like, shh, stop saying things that are true. <laughs> anyway, oh, people have been mad at you forever. How many? <laughs> Approximately a billion. <laughs> you know, you guys know me in my personal life. Uh, like, I'm, you know, I'm a friendly guy. Like, if you saw me interacted <laughs> with me, Alonzo, like off air, and then somebody told you, you know, a lot of people hate that dude. Uh, would you be like, would, I, I would imagine you'd be surprised, but I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Listen, I have a number of friends like that. You got to remember, I'm friends with Joe Rogan. So <laughs> when you talk about <laughs> a guy who I'm friends with, who people hate or whatever, and have a completely different experience with him than I do, you know, and, and I get that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. I haven't had any encounter or experience with you that would make me think, man, I don't want to live next door to this guy. You know? (laughs) (laughs) No, if you live next door to me, you have no idea how much I would leave you alone. Uh, (laughs) Because I don't want to get, I'm too busy to get into a conversation with neighbors. I don't want to be up in your business. I don't want you up in my business. Like, oh my God, my neighbors, they live very peaceful lives. I, I try never to talk to them, not because they're bad guys, just because I don't have time. So, well, uh, now, Alonzo, I, I want to, by the way, speaking of Joe Rogan, uh, let's go Brandon on him. So, there, you see, you're friends with both of us, and I don't like him anymore. So, screw him, and, and it's okay. <laughs> and by the way, I don't, the whole, all the catty gossip stuff, dude, like, and then the third grade stuff would be then for me to say to Alonso, if you're gonna stay friends with Joe, you can't be friends with me. <laughs> right, right. Whereas I don't care. I don't care. You want to be friends with Joe? Be friends with Joe. So so what? Then what happened? Nothing. <laughs> um so yeah, all right. I've yeah, go no, ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say I've had people not say that exactly, but take that attitude. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know. I'm cool with him. He's always been the same guy with me. Like a lot of the complaints that I hear people say about him, it's like, well, that's just who he is. That's all. You know, yeah. this, it, this isn't new. It's not like you didn't know, and then suddenly this came out, right? It, you know. So, I don't know. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> no, no, I know. Look, the thing about Joe is that it's hard uh, to not like him, right? Because in person, he's a very nice guy. Very nice. Mm-hmm very personable and he's not a jerk, right? So on air, you could like Tucker's a jerk and and you know, Joe is not a jerk. Um, but he's like gotten right wing 
and it's really super annoying. And so, and and I I think he's turned the show into something uninteresting, and and I think it does damage uh, it with the BS that he's putting out there. So it's not personal. I I just like I'm kind of more disappointed in him than anything else, and I'm sure he'll never recover. First, Tamur the 905 Dragon Road, and I hate when old school's not on. Last Monday was tough. Today's been even tougher. So I'm glad to see you guys. Hopefully you'll raise my spirits. Well, we're trying, brother. Uh or sister, I don't know. Uh and uh and of course last Monday I was sick. Black Fusion 74 just became a member uh on YouTube, I believe. So God bless. Thank you. And then I want to thank these good folks on Twitch. Grace, Grace, Grace. Um Oxbox 1991, Aaron Street 83, Metal Kitty Mom, Riverboat Jack, and Drew in Georgia. Either they signed up or they gifted subs, and you guys are all wonderful. Okay, so uh, and Alonzo, give folks uh, the website. I think I know it, but I never want to screw it up for how they can get tickets to your shows. Alonzoboden.com, just my name.com is the best way. That's connected to everything tickets, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and everything is my name, except Instagram is so funny, Z O F U N N Y. But uh, yeah, if you go to the website, everything comes out of there. You can. I don't know why, but do. each time I, I think like I know it's Alonzo Bowden. I'm like, it's not .org, right? Why would it be .org? That's what goes no, through my no. mind every time. Let me let me tell you the quick story about that. So my brother is a techie, right? Like lifelong, he's been in tech since the '80s, and he let's see. When I started doing comedy, it was in '93. He registered alonzoboden.com and he said, don't worry, you'll need this one day, trust me. <laughs> and so so I had my name, I never had to worry about my name. He did it across all platforms and everything and said, yeah, you'll, you know, and this is before the internet or anything. This is when only the techies knew this stuff, but he got me in early, so. So Thanks it, to him. who was that, that was your brother you said? Yeah. Okay, while he was doing that, he should have instead being like, like got Microsoft.com, uh, <laughs> you know, ABC.com, NBC.com. Then you then you wouldn't have to worry about AlonzoBowden.com because you'd all be rich right now. <laughs> so, I, well, that's partly what screwed us. I had gotten the YoungTurk.com a long time ago. And that was a small part of why we decided to go with the Young Turks.com and the Young Turks name, which probably wasn't the best of ideas. So, I, you know, <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Um, okay. So, you know, I was talking about Thanksgiving earlier. And I, I forget if you and I talked about this on the Twitch show, Alonzo, but so did you have a happy childhood? I would say. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's okay. That's a funny question. Um, to me, I did. Now, I've talked to therapists. <laughs> there have been some things that they said were issues, right? But it's a different time, right? So at that time, it was how things were done. I had a lot of freedom as a kid, and I liked that. I could, I could go pretty much where I wanted. Like I joke, my parents had two pretty broad rules, do well in school, 
don't go to jail. I was like, all right, I can live pretty wide in between those two parameters, you know? So I used to go all over New York City. Um, I was a bicycle rider. I'd ride my bike from Queens to Manhattan. And in New York, once you get that bus and train pass and you can ride the bus and the subway for free, you got the key to the city. So I did a lot of that. Um, and yeah, I would say it was happy. I mean, we weren't we weren't the touchy feely I love you type family, but I'll tell you, my mom was the funniest person I ever knew. I absolutely got my sense of humor from her. And uh, yeah, so it was, I don't know if happy is the right word or ordinary or just, you know, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. Uh, you know, one thing I did love that I always remember from being a kid, my grandmother had a farm in South Carolina. So I grew up with that like traditional, you go to your grandmother's farm and she spoils you, you eat too much and you get to play on the farm and run around and, you know, do all of that stuff. I love doing that. That was, that will always be a great memory from childhood. How often would you guys go there from New York? Every summer. I went every summer. We had, uh, my parents gave us a choice. Like you could go to camp or you can go to your grandmother's. And I was like, I'm going to my grandmother's. Like I never learned to swim. I never learned to tie knots. I didn't learn any of that. I had no interest in going to camp. I'm going to grandma's the week school lets out and I will be there until Labor Day when we come home. <laughs> so um, I, I never learned how to tie knots either because I, I joined Cub Scouts. <laughs> And uh, but we didn't have like a troop leader, so like my dad had to do it and stuff, right? And so um, my dad doesn't know how to tie knots. <laughs> He's like, "How do we tie this? No one knows. It is impossible." My dad's a mechanical engineer, could barely put in a light bulb. Uh, we didn't learn anything in Cub Scouts. <laughs> and so and camp. See, that's the funny part, right? Camp, there ain't no camp for Turkish immigrants, right? There was <laughs> so I never even occurred to my parents to send me to camp. And they and if they if somebody had told them, they'd be like, We spend money, so he goes and does nothing over there instead of doing nothing over here. Why we don't just save the money and he does nothing over here. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, he could play sports and stuff. What stop him from playing sports here? <laughs> So I never went to camp, not even close, never sniffed a camp. Don't know anything about it. Uh, I was slightly jealous of the kids who went to camp. Dave, I don't ever remember you going to camp. Did you ever go to camp? No, I never went to sleepaway camp. When I was very little, I went to day camp, which, but that's not what we're talking about. But generally, no, I didn't go to camp. Uh, I don't, yeah, there were great stories that kids told from camp, but I was never jealous of them. Uh, I. I I had a good time in the summers just staying home. And I wasn't lonely and bored. There were lots of kids around. So. Yeah, there were. There were. Uh, we had characters back in the day in Jersey, right? I mean, we we had Kevin Smith and Packy Harold, uh, you know, in, on your street and nearby. And those guys weren't part of our crew, but every once in a while they'd show up because that's how it was in the old days, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kevin Smith's going to play kickball with us. You know, a lot of kids in the neighborhood. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was our had, version of camp. See, I feel like yeah. my kids don't have that, right? There's well, no we kids had, in the neighborhood. Yeah, we had street sports. 
you know, see now everything's organized, right? There's soccer and there's gymnastics and there's this and there's that. Whereas we were like, they were like, they'd open the door, like go outside. Like that was your organized activity. Your parents just got tired of looking at you. Go outside. And the next thing you know, you got to pick up a football game or a stickball game or you go into the park or something like, right? And you just kind of created it yourself. And now they actually have a name for that. They call that free range children. And it's illegal in a lot of places. How much stuff did we do growing up that is literally illegal now, right? When you, oh, tons. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, so a friend of ours, their kid, uh, they had gone camping and he had the knife from camping in his in his bag, he went to school, expelled and arrested, felony charge. <laughs> what? I mean, I it, I had it, it, two knives pulled on me in school and a third one threatened, right? Nobody even got detention. Right. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, our parents, they could send you to the store for cigarettes and beer and you came back with cigarettes and beer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because they knew you. They knew you at the store. They knew who you were. Right. And at my grandmother's in South Carolina, we used to hitchhike. We were seven, eight, nine years old. You'd hitchhike because the person pulling over, they'd ask who you're related to. And you give a name and your family, they're like, oh, that they, yeah, okay, get in the truck. And you go to town. It was, you know, different, different time. I sound old as hell right now, but it, it really is true. Now, that wasn't in New York, that was in rural South Carolina, different, different place. Yeah, which might be better or might be worse. But uh, <laughs> you know what that was back in the day, Alonzo? That was free range Uber. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you, hey, and you rode in the back of a pickup truck. There was nothing to tie you down. No helmet, no seat belt. Just get in the back of the truck. Why? Because you're a kid, and that's where kids belong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, we got to take a break here for the members. We got a whole other episode coming up. Let's save yeah. it for the members. Tyt.com/slash/join to become a member, uh, or hit the join button below if you're watching on YouTube. And we'll come and talk about it over there.